Welcome to Sound Stations. Please pick up a pair of headphones and be seated. Okay, next, it is my great privilege to introduce a performer I've known for a long, long time. Calling Dick Tracy! Calling Dick Tracy! The Melonian Diamond has just been stolen from the museum! Calling Dick Tracy! Our marine scientists at Vulcania believe that the sediments below the waves contain a continuous record of terrestrial history. Let us fly together, hand in hand, on the wings of joy, kindness, compassion, and love. W Radio, your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 243 for the week of October 9th, 2011. The annual Epcot International Food and Wine Festival has become a destination event for both Disney World enthusiasts and food lovers from around the world. In addition to the kiosks, seminars, tastings, and signings, there are also a number of special events to further enhance the experience. This week, we'll review two of those special celebrations, the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic and the Party for the Senses. We'll discuss the venues, menus, entertainment, recommendations, value, and more. I'll then have a few announcements, then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I want to start off this week's show by first saying thank you. Thank you to all of you, again, for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the show, and more importantly, for all the incredible friendship and support that you have all shown me since I've begun, and especially over the last couple of weeks and months. Last weekend, we held the 40-hour show to celebrate 40 years of Walt Disney World, and it was so great to meet and see so many new friends in the parks and more importantly, so many of you that watched live in the box for 40 hours straight. I am incredibly grateful to all of you. More so than that, we held a 40-item charity auction through our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And as a testament to you and the power of this community, you all came together, not only in the donations that you brought to allow that auction to take place, but more importantly the donations and the generosity that you showed during that auction. And in just 40 hours, we raised more than $17,300 that went directly to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. I want to give you my sincerest and heartfelt thanks for that. You do not understand the power of what you've done and the wishes and the magic that you're going to bring to a child and their family with serious illnesses by allowing them to visit Walt Disney World. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of that wish granting with you and if you missed any or all of the 40 hour show we're actually going to put together a highlight video that we'll have posted up in the site and on itunes in the next couple of weeks please make sure and stay tuned for that big thanks also go out to you as well again i talk about the fact that we are friends whether we have met yet or not and once again you have demonstrated that 
in your actions as I learned just yesterday that WDW Radio was actually nominated for a podcast award in the travel category for 2011. I am sincerely grateful for that support that you've shown me by nominating the show and now want to ask for your help. If you can please go and visit podcastawards.com every day from Wednesday, October 12th through the 27th, you can vote once per day for WDW Radio in the travel category. All you need to do is visit podcastawards.com, scroll down to the bottom in the travel category, you'll find WDW Radio. Just enter your name and valid email address and submit your vote once per day. And if you can, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about the podcast awards and how they can vote for WDW Radio. Again, my sincerest thanks for the friendship that you guys continue to extend to me by allowing me to share my passion with you each and every week to everyone who made that 40-hour show possible, whether you were there in person, there in spirit, or watching there in the box. I, I sincerely appreciate it and know that you did an incredible thing by making child's wishes come true with the money that we raised for Make-A-Wish. So my my thanks to you once again. Now, on with the show. The Epcot International Food and Wine Festival is a great opportunity for guests from around the world to experience and share their passions for food and drink from the four corners of the globe as they stroll through the kiosks on the World Showcase Promenade. But in addition to the events, seminars, concerts, and of course the food, there are some extra special events as well. And this year, Epcot guests can make reservations for things like the 3D Disney's Dessert Discoveries, culinary demonstrations, mixology seminars, and much more. And once again, the ultimate experience is the party for the senses. And last year, another special event for food lovers kicked off just outside the International Gateway as the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin kicked off their annual Food and Wine Classic. Now in its second year, it too is bigger and better than ever. And this week, we're going to take a look at and review these two very special events. Joining me once again is fellow Disney fan and food lover, Glenn Whalen. Glenn, welcome back. Lou, it's great to be here. Thanks, buddy. I, uh, I appreciate you once again taking one for the team and uh, and sharing with me. over the, We had a, a rough couple of days. Rough tough <laughs> couple of days. <laughs> sharing in, uh, in some of these special events because back to back, we did the Swan and Dolphin Food and Wine Classic. And then we followed that up on Saturday by Party for the Senses. Correct. Yeah. And it was a great experience in both cases. I did have to lie and tell people that the Food and Wine Classic was actually a golf tournament. <laughs> so I was getting some athletic stuff happening. Thus, I had to eat the next day. Right. And any sympathy we ever expected from from listeners has just gone right out the window <laughs> right with, out the with window. these back-to-back events. Um <laughs> We uh, we braved the rain and uh, and and enjoyed both of them. But let's talk about first the food and wine classic because actually for both of us these events were uh, something new for us. You know we've been to food and wine for the past many many years. Food and wines in right. its sixteenth year, and we've enjoyed the kiosks. We've done the walkabouts. Uh, we've experienced some of the extra things. But this is the first time we've participated in some of these extra hard ticketed events. Correct. Actually, this is the first time. I was aware of it. I, actually, last year, I believe we were walking near the Swan or the Dolphin while they were setting up the event. And I remember seeing the banner for Food and Wine Classic, the first Food and Wine Classic. And I really did think it was a golf tournament at that point. <laughs> so 
to to actually participate in it hearing after the fact that it was a great event and it was something to check out it was it was an only a natural yeah and so again this is in its second year and this does take place outside the regular world showcase promenade as you know the Swan and Dolphin is also located on Crescent Lake in between uh, Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios. And they have a large causeway uh, that runs over Crescent Lake and between the two hotels. And what they did is they set up a number of beverage and food stations. And much like the um, Food and Wine Festival itself, there were celebrity chefs. This year it was Todd English. And they also had uh, entertainment. They had live music uh, and tastings from the restaurants and lounges inside the, the Swan and Dolphin, both of which you and I are pretty Correct. big fans of. Right. And there's others. I believe there are other chefs there from other businesses around the area as well. They're not all necessarily from the Swan or the Dolphin. Some of the, the like the CBI Smokehouse was one I believe is not in any way associated with the Swan. Right. And so, uh, again, this is a it's a special event that like the Party for the Senses that we'll get to next, this is a hard-ticketed event if you so choose. And there's actually really two different ways that you could experience the Food and Wine Classic. One way is to uh, purchase a a ticket, basically a wristband, and that ticket is $74 total. I think that includes taxes and whatnot. And that is a ticket that gives you unlimited access to all of the food and beverage stations. Now, there's about 10 food stations and 26 and I'm not just all you know food and wine is a bit of a misnomer because they are more than just wine there's also a lot of beer stations there was a margarita station there was an original moonshine station so you have unlimited access to everything on the promenade yes the, i believe there was actually more food or there's more wine and beer stands than food stands actually but i think that's what a lot of people would like yeah, and again, there's, you can also do it sort of a la carte. So if you don't want to purchase a ticket, maybe you want to just sample a couple of things of wine, a couple of things of food, you can buy individual tickets. Most items cost probably about two to five tickets each, uh, or you can have the unlimited wristband. So for example, if you were to maybe go with somebody who's not a big food person, or you have maybe young kids, because kids can come as well, I would suggest probably trying out and getting some tickets first as opposed to committing to uh, the wristband. But as we were walking through, you and I were both saying that, especially if you are a wine person, the wristband is a great deal. Yes. I I did think most of the people were probably trying this out for the first time, whether they would ever return or not. They're going to decide that based on this. So many of them, I believe, were buying tickets and then returning and buying more tickets and were saying, I should have gotten the wristband. Right. So I think people are not committing to it on the front end because they're not sure how much they're going to get, how much food is available are they going to be in and out of here in 10 minutes? And I think they find out after a while that this is a great event uh, in spite of the rain showers to come. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, too, is that um, it is, although it's a hard-ticket event, anybody can sort of walk through. So if you want to sort of, you know, you don't have to worry about going into Epcot and having a park ticket. You can be outside the parks. You can walk through the causeway, sort of browse around first, see if it's something that interests you, and then either get your wristbands or get your tickets right there. Absolutely. If you're staying in the Swan or Dolphin and you want to walk over to Epcot, there's no way you cannot run and walk through there. So you are going to be in this area. And there's music playing. The especially we were there right around sunset, and it was absolutely gorgeous. The it was a, a beautiful beautiful sight as you looked around and, and I believe this year 
they instead of just filling the causeway, they also went along the uh, along the boardwalk area uh, to towards the on the swan uh, side. On the, yeah, swan, on the side. swan side. Yeah. So it was great because when you came out, there was a live band, and there was four different bands that are going to be playing uh, throughout the festival, which takes place on October seventh and eighth. It's a two day thing, but there are four different bands that are playing outside, all with different styles of music. So no matter where you were. You weren't getting drowned with the music, but you could right. hear it from along the causeway. And like you said, they did expand beyond the area in between the Dolphin and the Swan to the area uh, by the pool area. They had a number of tents set up as well with some of the food and beverage stations. Yes. There was also another aspect of it that we did not participate in because we wanted to basically Eat. get right to the food. <laughs> so, But there were also seminars there as well, sort of uh, a little bit different than some of the ones you might find over in uh, Epcot. So there was a wine blending seminar, a Riesling rendezvous. If you're interested in Spanish wines or modern modern mixology, uh, all things sake. We had a couple of friends who went to the sake demonstrations. Uh, they had something called Beer Please. And if you want to sort of expand your beer horizons, they had everything from micro brews and craft brews from around the world. Uh, they had base to bubbles. So there were a lot of different seminars depending on what your interests were. And those were individual tickets as well. I think those tickets were about $35 each. And the 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 beer one was actually taught by the general manager from Blue Zoo, I believe. So they did actually use some of their talent. And if you've ever been into one of those restaurants, you get to and you ask any questions of these people, they're very capable of teaching you right there on the spot. So these are people that know what they're talking about. And we've had that experience when we've eaten in Blue Zoo before. <laughs> but I want to... Go back to Blue Zoo just to experience it again. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and we mentioned before, you know, speaking of Blue Zoo, uh, this year the cele- celebrity chef who was just right out on the causeway, just meeting guests and signing books, actually serving guests with the food from Blue Zoo, was celebrity chef Todd English. Todd English, and we were pretty excited about. We were having <laughs> like a jazz hands moment meeting because like we, we went up to him and we were like giddy schoolgirls. We we're like, dude, we love Blue Zoo to the point that, like we said on the show, like we almost wept while we were there. <laughs> and he was handing us the lobster roll that we ate, which was phenomenal. Yeah, but it was handed to us by Todd English. Yeah, and it was this. It was a brown butter basted oh. lobster roll, and I need to like say it slowly. But it was not like a big hunk of bread and a couple of little pieces of lobster meat. Like there were giant lobster it, claws. It was a big there. hunk of lobster with a little bit of bread. It was oh. oh. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, when I'm looking at you. I thought you were gonna say it was a big hunk of Todd English and some lobster. <laughs> <No>. bread. <laughs> it was in fact a, a big hit. and we were we were interviewing them, and, and we're gonna post a video. Uh, that we shot sort of giving a sense of what it looked and sounded like out there. But unfortunately, at that point, uh, it rained yes. and it rained and the, delu- the deluge. deluge came down. Uh, so we, you know, they adapted the best they can. They brought some food inside. They closed some stations and then opened them up uh, again. But it was neat the fact that he was sort of out there and accessible and meeting people and taking time and taking you know pictures with them as well. Correct. Yeah, I mean, Todd English is a name to many people, but I don't know how many people could recognize him like if they ran into him on the street. Right. This is the type of event where now you know who this person is. You get to see who this is if you haven't seen him on television or something right. like that. And you get to see them, and now 
he does become a celebrity that, oh, my God, there's Todd English. <laughs> and that's exactly how we sounded. We're yeah, like, oh, my exactly. God, it's Todd English because we we did have such a good experience. And it's, and I think what's nice about it is that we talked about this when we talked about Blue Zoo. A lot of people, I think, don't sort of go outside the comfort zone, which is right. they eat in Epcot, they eat in their resort. They don't think about going over to the Swan and Dolphin. Right. And we love it because a couple of our favorite restaurants are there. And we never ate at Blues before. Ugh. And we looked at each other like, how did we, how have we missed this yes. for so long? Right. And, oh, just it, phenomenal, the experience. <laughs> I know we're supposed to be talking about the Food and Wine Classic. Blues is well represented at the Food and Wine right. Classic. And especially that lobster roll was excellent. But they also had elsewhere in it, I believe it was, they called it a a steamroller, which was like a, a thin glass vial with a shrimp cocktail inside of it. Right. They and they were they were standing right up front. The chef was the sous chef was right up front making this, filling up these glass vials, which were basically shrimp cocktail, and you had to eat it by creating pressure between your mouth and this tube and you'd move your hand and if you did it properly this entire contraption would just shoot this stuff into your mouth and it was a it's, it was delicious once again the point being it was well was well represented at the food and wine classic on the causeway and the cool thing is is that you get a chance to sample some of the food so before right. actually having to commit to go into blue zoo or shula's whatever it might be you could get a sample of the food, whether it's via a couple of tickets or if you have the unlimited wristband. The other thing, too, is that sometimes the samplings of dishes differed from Friday and Saturday. So for us, we went to the classic on Friday, Shula Steakhouse, which arguably may be the best steak on property. We may have to go there and experience it firsthand. They had a carved New York strip with cream spinach. They had the second, the, the same thing the second day because that's really their signature, their signature. meal. But you might go to Cabana's, which is sort of the restaurant uh, out by the bar and beach. And Friday, they had these pork carnitas, these braised pork um, little, you know, sandwiches, which were awesome. But on Saturday, they had crab egg rolls. And Il Molino, which is the signature Italian restaurant, had an Italian meatball sandwich, which we got gypped out of because of the rain. Because of the rain. <laughs> but... On Saturday, they had, you know, hand-cut uh, tagliatelle and, and braised lamb ragu. Uh. So there's a, a reason to sort of go back, you know, both days or to sort of pick which day you want to go. But really gave you, I thought, a, a nice idea of what the restaurants inside had. Yes. Uh, the other thing, too, we were more about the food as opposed to the end wine portion of it. Right. But the thing that impressed me was there was not sort of three or four beverage stations there were 26 different wine stations. And again, wine is a bit of a misnomer because they there were a number of regions represented. So there were probably seven or eight areas of California record from Sonoma to Monterey, Santa Barbara, and a couple from Napa. But there was also wines from Chile and Argentina and Spain, a, a variety of them from you know Tuscany or Veneto in, in Italy, New, New Zealand, Australia. There was sake as well. Uh, certainly a number of France pavilions, but they also had other drinks as well. They had the Beer Please Pavilion from Sam Adams and the Palm and Brooklyn Breweries. They also had um, a sake, a, a taiku sake bar, 
And they had uh, at the far end something that we never heard of. They had an original moonshine bar. Original it, moonshine. <laughs> minus the still, but they had a sampling of this new type of liquor that was mixed, one with fruit juices and one with sort of an iced tea. It was kind of a moonshine Arnold Palmer. Right. Which right. was which, phenomenal. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> um, and so we were out there probably, you know, taking the rain out of, um, you know, out of the mix. We were out there for probably, you know, three, four hours or so. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... The thing I really liked about it was that it wasn't crowded. It's not crowded. There were not huge lines. And we were able to sample everything that we wanted to, sometimes two or Correct. three yeah. times. Correct, yeah. The lines are, are short enough that you, you go through. They don't give you a, a humongous portion or anything like that. But if you got... If you stopped at the sushi thing, you got two slices of of their signature roll, and then by the time you finish eating it, you could be back in line and getting the second. You, you could just sit there and keep returning, and they don't question it. You have that. You have your your wristband, and they're going to let you in. Right, and I think what's nice about the event too is because it's not huge, and if you really want to learn about the food. You have the option to go to the. I mean, you can really kind of make a full day out of it. You know, the seminars start, uh, I believe, uh, late afternoon, probably at four o'clock or so inside. Uh, those are a separate ticket from the the food tickets outside. But you can really make sort of a full experiential day out of it without having to ever step foot inside a theme park. Right, and they did. I guess I think they had two seminar rooms that were happening. I walked by them. I never never went into them, but they also sort of utilized the lobby area. As right. well, just as a, and we end up using that because we because of possible rain. Yeah, and the nice thing is when the rain did come and it came hard, and it's not wasn't that fifteen minute Florida rain. It yes. was the one hour intense sideways rain. Uh, they held some things closed until they could reopen them again, but other ones like the sushi and shulas they actually brought inside into the Swan, right. and they invited guests inside to come inside. And again, the samples that you could have were unlimited. It was like right. being on the cruise if you wanted. 11 pieces of sushi, you could just stand there and take 11 plates. Yes, and they, they stood there, and we did partake of the sushi as after it moved back inside. <laughs> They're looking over their books right now going, who ate all the, what? We need to revisit what we're doing next year. We, we definitely hit in the red as far as sushi was concerned, or they just won't ask us to come back. So um, the other thing, too, was we had seen uh, a lot of guests who this was their first time doing it. And I think... The awareness of the event was one of the things that surprised me. I think a lot of people just didn't know that it was going on. They think Food and Wine Festival. They think everything takes place in Epcot. Yeah, I don't know how they promote it. I don't know how they can possibly compete with it. If someone's booking a trip, it's usually going to be, I'm going for the Food and Wine. They're, you know, I don't know if they're hearing, by the way, the, the, the Wine and Dine over at the Swan and Dolphin happens this weekend as well. I don't know how they get the word out. Right. And it is a, a very different, you know, type of experience mm-hmm. too. And and I think the fact that it sometimes is it's obviously not as crowded as the regular kiosks. Uh, you've got the educational aspect of it as well. Uh, we all, we didn't even mention the dessert thing too. We actually went back at the end of the <laughs> yeah, night right. for the dessert, and they had this uh, banana foster coconut, coconut. fondant cake uh. and vanilla ice cream, uh, which was just phenomenal. But the other thing too was. Like Epcot and and like the other event we're going to talk about too, the uh, the party for the senses. You also had a chance to when you went up to Il Molino, you went up to Blue Zoo, or 
you know, the fountain or whatever, you could actually talk to some of the chefs and some of the sommeliers mm-hmm. there to get an idea of what they're making or the food that was cooked inside. And if you found a wine that you like, they actually had a wine shop that you could actually purchase some of it as well. Yeah, and the, here's a, one other thing that was more unique to this. You had all the people behind the counter helping you out, but I thought there were several people that were always roaming around to make sure you were having a good time and you see if you had any questions or anything we can help you with. They were roaming around within the causeway. They were not behind the counter. They were coming to go, sir, are you enjoying yourself today? Right. Is there anything else we can get for you? And it's not that I needed anything, but it, it was, <laughs> it was, they were offering great attention to those who were in attendance. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when you look at it uh, sort of from the top down, uh, we had the wristbands again, Wristband's about $74. You say, well, that sounds like an expensive ticket, but depending on how you're going to... In, it, first of all, it was a night... I mean, we just enjoyed a nice evening together, Absolutely. skipping along the causeway together. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful evening sort of outside, again, taking the rain out of it. There's the entertainment there, too. But if you enjoy the food and you really enjoy your wine, I think it's also a good value, too. I mean, I mm-hmm. definitely felt it. I didn't feel as though that $74 at the end was too much to spend on this right. ticket. Right. And I think, you know, what we were, we were saying how this is a, a new event. I'm guessing that a few years ago, they could not have filled up this event the way it is now right. because of people like the people who listen to your show. There were, we ran into a lot of people who were, that's how they found out about this was from, from the internet or from something like that. It wasn't, everything wasn't through the uh, WDW uh, Parks blog. Right. Yeah, and I think, too... Um, it was a great chance for us to the, the the food that they were serving out there is not necessarily what you might have found either certainly in the kiosks in Epcot or uh, inside some of the restaurants too right. but it definitely sort of turned us on to a couple of different things too like I remember uh, the fountain had that little falafa in sort of a, a cone yes. with the chickpea fritters and the little garlic and we were looking at each other like this is awesome like this right. is what you know, being a foodie is being is really all about right. Oh, watching and then everything was made to order. Basically, mm-hmm. that's how it was. By the time you ate everything, it was warm. It was uh, just prepared. It was it was great. And even when it rained, and, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, <laughs> they actually realized we were losing a lot of our time so they said you can get 25% off in any of the restaurants and I was thinking if I wasn't starving right now Blue Zoo was available to us at 25% off discount so yeah is it something that a, you would go back to, and B, would you recommend to other people to try, especially if, if you know that they're big food fans? I would actually, I think I would recommend it, especially if they're a wine fan. Right. Because that, I think, is where they're going to be able to try different, several different things without the the lines that seem to be at the wine spots in the, uh, the in the walk around at Epcot are much longer than the, the lines seemed at the Food and Wine Classic. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, one thing to talk about the food, but we want to also show them what the experience looked like. We want to show them what some of the food looked like. So what we're going to do is we're going to post a video uh, in the next couple of days of our experience on Friday night at the Food and Wine Classic. You can also visit Swan and Swan Dolphin Food and Wine Classic.com. I'll link to it in this week's show notes. Get an idea of what this event is like. Maybe something to put on your calendar, uh, assuming, of course, that they hold it again next year. Yeah, and everyone should always pay attention to Swan and Dolphin because they're not always 
they're quite often off the radar, and there's often some really interesting things going on over there. We almost hate to give up our, our secret, <laughs> our secret of kimonos. Kimonos, we, right? It's mm-hmm. like the best kept secret on property because if you're a sushi fan, uh, we go in there, <laughs> and he makes that sound, and it is it's not hidden away, but it's in the swan. Unless you're staying there, a lot of people don't go with, go there. Right. But we're sushi guys, and we think that it's the best, freshest sushi on property. Absolutely. There's uh, karaoke at night after 9.30, if that's your thing, which it's not ours. But we (laughs) do some serious damage in there sushi-wise. And again, it's not always, it's not crowded. Right. So it's usually pretty evil to just just walk up and get a table, because it's more like a lounge than it is an actual sit-down restaurant with reservations. Yes, but I have no reservations in eating (laughs) at kimonos whenever possible. Yeah, we might need to do a full review of kimonos. Yes. Let's do it. So, but yeah, so, but Food and Wine, uh, the classic, again, at Swan and Dolphin, just one of the two special events that was taking place this weekend, one of those extra special events to enhance your experience at the Food and Wine Festival. The other very popular event which has taken place for the past many years over in Epcot is, in fact, the Party for the Senses, and it keeps very true to its name because it is a tribute to all of your senses, because it's not just about the food and the wine, but what you get to experience there as well as far as entertainment. And for the event that we went to this past Saturday, October 8th, again, Glenn and I did the Food and Wine Classic on the 7th. We followed it up with a little bit more Food and Wine on the 8th. But this time, Mr. Glenn Whelan, we were accompanied by two of the most lovely ladies, not only in Disney podcasting, but I dare I say, the two most beautiful women at the Party for Senses, in no particular order other than saving the best for last. First, we were joined by Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Hi, Lou. It's all about food. It's always all about food. And about ice wine. And and for the first time, my, my poor, loving, oh-so-supportive wife, who never gets to experience any of the good stuff, finally gets to come to Party for the Senses and onto the show. So, Deanna, welcome back. Good afternoon, Lou. Oh, is that your is that your sultry radio voice? <laughs> so for good afternoon, us, Lou. <laughs> sorry, that was Glenn. <laughs> uh, this was our first opportunity to participate in that. We've been we've done food and wine. We've done the kiosks for many many years. Uh, we don't normally do a lot of the seminars, but this is something that's been on our radar for a long time because this really is, I think the the uh, the highlight of this special event because it is just more than a party for the opportunity to taste some very uh, special types of food from all the different restaurants in and around Walt Disney World, but it also involves entertainment at well. It starts off with a reserved seat at the Eat to the Beat concert series over at the America Gardens Theater. Then you get to wander through all of the stations at World Showplace. That's located in between Canada and the United Kingdom pavilions. Uh, That was created for the Millennium Celebration uh, a number of years ago, and now is used for special events like this. And when I said that it really is a party for your senses, beyond the food and the wine, it also is about the entertainment, because returning this year is is Cirque du Soleil, which has a number of sort of highlight acts that take place on the center stage throughout the night and for a lot of people 
that's a great way to sort of get introduced to Cirque du Soleil and really makes it a true sort of dining experience. Yeah, Lou, I uh, always enjoy Cirque du Soleil, and I went actually right up to the stage to watch. They broke it into three different sections, so you could watch one bit from it, about five minutes of it. Actually, the, if you've seen Cirque du Soleil, they recreated the element where they're using the trampolines to bounce inside of the big building, and they recreate that on the stage right in front of you. Uh, later on, they returned. After about 20 minutes of music, they returned with the one of the bicycle acrobats, and then they ended the evening with one of the gymnasts who could contort herself into really strange pretzel positions. <laughs> Asking her for her phone number repeatedly throughout the night was a little inappropriate. <laughs> However, um, before we get into talking some more about the entertainment and the food, we should mention that like the Food & Wine Classic, the Party for the Senses is a hard-ticketed event. It is an event that requires a special ticket and a reservation beyond your admittance into uh, Epcot. It takes place on select Saturdays, October 8th, 15th, and 22nd, as well as November 5th and the 12th from 7.30 to 10 p.m. And the cost is $145 per person. That includes your gratuity, but it does not include your admittance to Epcot. And again, for some people, that does sound like it is a higher price ticket item, and it certainly is. But as we start talking about what's offered there, we're going to talk about two whether or not we had a sense of what the value uh, of that was. So, Deanna, before you had actually gotten in there, you've heard us talk about food and wine on the show. Uh, you've heard me talk about it. You've heard Becky talk about it in the past. Did you have any sort of preconceptions before going in as to what it was going to be? I had no idea what to expect. Um, the only thing I knew is I did attend a Mother's Day dinner in the uh, room that we were in. So I knew that Disney was going to go above and beyond, and it was pretty amazing to have all the Cirque du Soleil there and also to see all the, the nice, um, you know, chefs around the room cooking their specialties, which there were some amazing, amazing dishes that we absolutely loved that we went back for more <laughs> three and four times. But there were also some dishes that I would have not tried just because they were just something I just never would have explored before. Yeah, it depending on how um, how far you want to expand your culinary horizons, the thing that I like about events like this is that it does give you a chance to sample some things that you might not otherwise. So if you've never tried Morocco or Boma or Jico or Akershus, it gives you a, ch a chance to sample things that aren't normally on the menu there, but is really sort of reflective of the type of cooking that's there. Now, Becky, you know that there's actually two different levels of tickets that you can get for the uh, the party for the senses. There is the regular ticket, which has open seating. There's right. a number of tables scattered throughout uh, on opposite sides of the stage. And again, World Showcase Pavilion Show Place is a huge, huge pavilion. You can't tell by looking at sort of the, the large sort of barn doors in the front of uh, on the promenade, but it actually goes far back and around to the left and it's a huge venue that can seat a lot of people. Obviously, there were a lot of people there last night. Mm -hmm. But in addition to the open seating, which is $145 per person, again, that's with unlimited food, unlimited wine, there is also an upgraded experience as well. And right. that's the Wine View Lounge. That's something which is, is relatively new and is an exclusive area within Party of the Senses that includes things like private reserve seating. You get in 15 minutes before 
everyone else, a premium bar, uh, a premium cheese station, and some other sort of perks and privileges and gifts as well. Right. And from being there a few years, I think this is my third time for uh, for Party for the Senses. And I got to say, I think it is worth the upgrade, if, especially if you're a food connoisseur and you really do enjoy the upgrades like, for example, the Grand Marnier Bubbly Delight, which was in there <laughs> that I couldn't get to even if I tried. They had you um, at Grand Marnier. Pretty much. They? they had me at Grand Marnier. However, yeah. <laughs> However the, the biggest benefit for me in that location is that it's reserved seating. So a lot of people don't realize that Party for the Senses is not seating for everybody. There's only a certain percentage of people who have seats to sit down. So to have a reserve table and that you can come and go freely to the different food stations is really a benefit. Yeah, and we talked to a couple of people who were inside the Wine View Lounge. Uh, it is an add-on in addition to uh, the $145 uh, ticket. It's an additional 115 so your total is $260 per person plus tax, so probably rounds about $270 or so. But this is something that that is sort of what they save for every year. That is sort of like their special experience. Some people like to go to the spa, a mancation, whatever it might be. But for them, it was a group of women that get together and that sort of evening at Party for the Senses with prime viewing of Cirque du Soleil right in front of them, the table service, instead of having to, to wait online at the kiosks, the food is brought to them. They have the premium wines. If you're a wine connoisseur, they very much felt that that was a good value. Lou, also, also, just like you said, the seating for that was awesome because it was right in front of the stage, whereas a lot of the seating for the non-premium, uh, the not the wine view lounge, is off to the side. So if you really wanted to view the show, you had to get up and stand and watch the show standing. Right. And there were there was tables scattered throughout uh, the pavilion. Some of them are small rounds that right. seat about four people. There's also the the tall boys that have no seats that you can sort of walk up to and stand. So if you want to sort of... Mingle. As, graze, as, as you want to put <laughs> yeah. it, you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, again, because the kiosks that are scattered throughout vary. You're not going to find two of the same that you might find. You know, one side of the room no. has the same as the other. Here... They're they're very very uh, much spread out, and the seating was still comfortable. And obviously, there was a, a lot of staff there who was I, I thought very good at keeping the tables clean, Absolutely. pulling stuff off, and yeah. you know filling water glasses or whatever it might be. And I was surprised with that many people in the room. There were there were the lines were like minimal to, to null because. You would go up and they the, the chefs were, were producing the food so quickly that you didn't have to wait very long. And you also could go right over and get your glass of wine that paired with it. So it was a nice little perk that you can Yeah, they do. everything was very strategically placed. Yeah. And again, the wine pairings were made for, for you. So yeah. if you were going for your desserts, they had, and all three of you. They had the ice the wine. The ice wine, which Ooh. all of you, and again, not necessarily... Uh, big drinkers, but you were back at the ice wine kiosk quite often. Oh, yes. Um, all of the other stations had the food paired with the wines. And when you walked in, they gave you uh, a great little um, sort of 8 by 10 guide to what was going on inside. And the thing that I liked about it, too, was it wasn't like a map, but it gave you sort of a legend uh, because for each kiosk, there was an icon shape and a color that corresponded to what was projected on the walls. So if you walked in and you looked and said, hey, I want to try some of the stuff from Boma and Marrakesh and 
the Zazu restaurant, which again is, is not one of the restaurants inside Walt Disney World property, you knew that it was the red icon that had the wine bottle on it. And all you needed to do was look up and look at the walls and know exactly where to go. Most of us, we just sort of went around and, went and sort of hit everything we could, sort of went front to back. But it did also give you a chance to say, hey, I want to make sure I try this or this is the kind of wine. I want to try this, you know, Spanish wine or, you know, Monterey wine or this Kentucky bourbon, whatever it is, and knew exactly where to find it. Did you find this to be helpful or just what did you sort of enjoy exploring I found it very helpful once I figured it out, <laughs> thanks to some of my friends. Because honestly, I had no idea that that it matched uh, the place in the room until I think it was Glenn that pointed it out. No one told me that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. So, yeah, but sixteen I, glasses I, of, of ice wine. Whoa, 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 whoa! I was in search of uh, Tepan Edo or Edo, and I think that they um, may not have shown that night, or they were in a corner somewhere. But I found it very helpful, especially to locate the the ones that you really wanted to try, because there was a lot of different food stations. And if you weren't paying close attention to, to what was available, you could be very full by the time you found something that, that was particularly of interest. Yeah, and so these icons were sort of little zones. So in this one zone, you would find not just one food kiosk and multiple wine kiosks, but so for example, this the green icon with the wine glass had Akashus, uh, Tepan Edo, and Mama Melrose's. And they gave you the name of the executive chef. They also told you where the food was from, and they also told you what it was. So again, like I said before, this chance to sort of experience flavors from Norway, you could look at and see it was pan-seared pan elk loin with roasted garlic risotto, wild char, wilted char, charred hen of the wood mushroom and red currants port reduction. And also Tepan Edo was there. Mama Melrose was there. There was a specific cheese station there. And there was also a number of beverages that tied in directly with all the flavors. So if you are not a wine connoisseur like I am, but want to sort of expand your palate, it's a great way to learn about the wine and how it pairs with the food. Right. Yeah, Lou, the uh, the way the the menu was broken down, we do have uh, this this almost hard copy version that you go through and it, they label each one under each icon as savory temptations, but there was one that is thematically different as well, which is the one that's called sweet temptations, which was over against the back wall. And I can tell you that the sweet temptations were were slightly different, and that's where everyone was filled up by the end of the night. Yeah, and, and we were talking about the fact that, and I like this, I was concerned when we first walked in, a lot of people were sort of congregating at the front. I said, wow, this is, it's a lot of money for such a crowded event, but as you walk through, you realize it was people sort of just stopping and looking around, because as you went through, there were no real lines for the food kiosks. You would walk up, uh, there would be chefs behind the table, as well as a chef and a sommelier in front of the table handing you an item, and if you want to, and this is my tip for Party for the Senses, is engage them in conversation. Ask them what it is, ask them how it's made, because I, I've said, not half-jokingly, seriously, that I think the best way to experience and to learn about a culture is through their food. And when we were over in Morocco, uh, there was a woman dressed in, in beautiful, traditional Moroccan garb, and she was very willing to sort of talk about the food and how it related to her culture, and it was... A learning experience not only from a culinary perspective but from an educational perspective about the culture 
They were extremely approachable. And that's what I love too. If you ask them a question when you walked by and I was asking them which wine paired best with either the fish or the beef that you were eating from that that part, that area, they were so, um, they helped so much and they explained which one pairs the best. So um, it was, it was just, it was great. I could tell you which ones were my favorite too. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to get to some of the favorites because for me, I, I wasn't looking at necessarily um, at the, the, the menu and then going to seek things out. I was going to everything. I, I am the person who I will try anything once and if I like it, 16 times so i was just sort of so when i looked later on at the places that were my favorites i was almost surprised because it wouldn't be in my mind where i would have thought to go first right and the other things that we ran into as well were the cheese stations you had guys that were back there that were pairing cheeses with different crackers with other cheeses with wines and, and kind of walking you through their entire display and then when we were back i got it i'm going to keep going back to the sweet temptations only because it's going to be the, the running theme for a while but remember when we walked uh, turned the corner for what was my favorite and we'll talk about that in a minute but they had the carving demonstrations from the culinary arts so there was a lot of ways to engage not only the the chefs but the um all, all of the people who were putting on different dis displays and it was just fantastic and going back to the sweet temptations uh, again it's halloween time so they had incredible pumpkin i mean these guys aren't chefs i mean they're truly culinary artists into what they're able to do with that food but those invariably were the longest lines because things like uh the peanut Brother and pretzel, Gianduha oh. <laughs> with and the lemon mascarpone cheesecake, uh, the harvest pumpkin pie ravioli with vanilla white truffle ice cream and salted <laughs> caramel sauce. You like you guys are eating it and looking at each other like I can't believe this <laughs> is going on inside my so mouth. <laughs> it was delicious. And there's one other thing before we get lost in all the the wines and everything. There was also a great station where they had iced teas available for you that were both. Uh, they were unsweetened. You could sweeten them themselves, and they had a lot of it. I had the mixed berry several mm -hmm. times. Uh, Lou, I believe you had the Moroccan mint tea a, a few times, and it was always available as well as another option, as well as coffee. That is Joffrey's coffee, which got into a – we had a lot of conversation about that at our table. So there's other drinks available to you, as and not just the wines. Right, and, and you are making a good point in that – it's food and wine, but if you are not a drinker for whatever reason, I was driving, so I wasn't drinking. Some people just don't like to drink. There are other options for you as well. But you know what, too? If you want to go and just take a sip of something, you can do it. And another tip that I have is if you're not a wine person, if you're not a bourbon person or whatever it might be, and you just want to take a sip of something, whether you're a wine connoisseur or not, if you take a sip and don't like it, it's okay. You can sit there and literally throw it out right in front of it, and it's okay because this is supposed to be a tasting. It's not, you know, it's not a kegger. And it's not, no, and you know, and you know when, they, when they were pouring the wines also, they weren't giving you a glass. They were giving you a taste of wine. So if you wanted some more, you obviously had to go back and get more. But or you're going to give the guy the nod. Well, like, yeah, hey, you okay, know. buddy. Don't, you know, don't <laughs> <laughs> We did that a couple times too, but anyway. Um, but... Yeah, there was also not just the wine, but there was also beer. There was right. a, I was amazed to see how many uh, brewers were there as well. Yeah, and uh, there was also um, there was a tequila there. There was some margarita samplings as well. So it really, really, was, <laughs> really, I missed that. <laughs> I missed okay, that now I'm bummed. Again, after your seventeenth <laughs> glass of the uh, Canadian iced wine, iced wine yeah. Yeah, you guys really. Um, 
Yeah, and you guys seemed really disappointed that you couldn't purchase it. Oh my goodness! The, the yeah, the Argentinian wine, the Malbec Argentinian wine, and the ice wine. Mm-hmm. It was just phenomenal. Like it, it paired great with everything, and it was it was it was great. And, and I think that's part of the point of this. I mean, you can certainly experience it on the promenade as well. Right. But if you really want to make a special evening out of it, mm-hmm. and, and that's what this was. Right. It was not just because of the great. company. But if you want to go as a couple or a group of friends and really do something special, you don't necessarily need to say, okay, let's pick Gico, let's pick Narcusis. You could say, here's an opportunity because we're foodies, because we're wine people, to experience all those things in a great environment with entertainment in sort of an exclusive setting indoors so you don't have to even worry about elements like the weather. Yeah, and Lou, one of the areas, one of the additional areas that I'm an idiot about is wine. <laughs> so I had a lot of questions, and I was there with a lot of friends who were able to t- talk to me about it in a way that I didn't feel stupid. And I was able to make decisions based on what I was being taught, but just by my friends who were sitting at that table with me. And it all worked out in the end. So it, it is something, it, it'd be a good thing to do with a group of friends so where you can share and experience and learn together. So does that does that include the moment when one of us took a taste of something and our faces totally turned into <laughs> like we just sucked on like a lime or something and that's when you kind of said you know yeah. I think I'll leave that yeah. one alone I'm I will skip that one yeah no you but what you guys do is I really don't like this here Lou you finish it <laughs> well yeah oh my God. and there's a problem garbage pail kid <laughs> come on Mikey animal. likes it <laughs> yeah. well, this is gross you want to try it. But that that for me was part of the fun was going from station to station and tasting it with each of you guys individually. So whether I was with Deanna or whether I was with Glenn, we would take a bite and look at each other and sort of make that nod. We'd make the yummy face like, oh, that's good. And when I mentioned before, one of the surprising huge hits for me was... There was this uh, Kuroboto pork slider, uh, a sort of a small pork, you see? And it was a small, and you say, well, pork sliders, I can get those anywhere. I can get those on the promenade. I can get them at my local, you know, uh, chicken wing place. This was a a little pork slider with a uh, a garnish on top, and stuck inside the bun was a small, kind of like an eyedropper that was filled with a sauce. And the idea was... It was green, by the way. It was green. And it infused the sauce into the bread and the pork. And I will tell you that having been to every kiosk at least once, that is the one that was the most memorable for me. And the thing that surprised me. And you know why, Lou, it was so memorable for you? Because it had something that you totally feared as a child, and that is the sucker. (laughs) <laughs> so this it thing looked like a it device. looked like a medical device oh my goodness it looked like a medical device okay that was stuffed that was in the top of your pork slider okay and the the gentleman behind the wonderful man behind the um the you know the table says to me yes and before you eat it you must inject the green stuff stuff into your pork slider so, yeah, so I said, oh, let me just bring one of these over to my husband because it's going to bring back some horrible memories to him. Well, I never thought about it until you pointed it out now, but thank yeah. you very much for bringing back painful childhood memories. Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you that it's still the one that I think about, and we talked, Glenn, about the some of the um, other items from uh, Boma and Jico, and the thing that surprised me about this is that if I would have looked at it on the menu, where it came from is what's surprising. Because the restaurant 
is from Cinderella's Royal Table, which is more so known for Becky, give me the ha. Huh? Look, <laughs> it's more so yeah. known for the environment and the location than it is the food. So that's one of the surprising things about the marriage of what you get here versus what you would normally get from if you went to go dine in one of those restaurants at night. Yeah, and looking through this list, uh, as you're kind of noticing the things that are coming from the Grand Floridian or from the boardwalk, I mean, I loved, there was a couple of things I really loved. There's about three things. There's like 10 things that I really loved, just saying. The the Alaskan king crab was incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just on this little bed of salad, and it was just so wonderfully seasoned. But for me, my standout, believe it or not, was the pan-seared halibut. Yeah. I loved the halibut, and that came from Mama Melrose, which, again, another surprising In park, location. Not yeah. what you expect. Right. That food. You think Mama Melrose, you think spaghetti. Right. Pizza. I'm thinking they're going to have something that's like a, a ravioli of some right. sort or, or something that's easy, biteable. But that, um, that halibut was fantastic. The other thing, too, that I liked and why I like this, it, it, like Food and Wine Festival, the portion sizes that you get are small. They're, they're definitely tasting portions, but if you want to go back, you can get repeated um, plates. So if you say, well, you know what? I'm not really a lamb guy. I've never tried elk. I've never tried, um, you know, lobster Florentine or Kobe beef short ribs, which were uh, like melt in your mouth. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's, you're, there's the not... Potatoes were right. But oh. you're not making the investment of going to the restaurant and ordering a full plate of it. <laughs> this is something you can only get here... And if you don't like it, that's okay. That's part of the learning experience. Right. And and Lou, and you know this, and my belly knows this, that I, I take a lot of risks when it comes to eating, and I'll eat just about anything. So many of the things I tried that were unique or strange, I didn't really enjoy. But I'm glad I tried them anyway. But my favorite thing from the whole event was actually a duck the Matsako duck, five spice duck breast, and, and it had a crispy uh, piece of duck underneath it, and it was actually it was delicious, but it was not what I expected I would like. Right. It was something I thought, oh, I'm just gonna pass on that because it's not because duck is usually like a like a greasy chicken to me, right. so it didn't it wasn't something I would normally would like. So that was one case where I really loved something that was rather unique. Right. You wouldn't go out and buy it and order it to say, oh, I'm going to try duck, so I'm going to invest however much it's going to cost me. But it's okay to sort of take that little bit of risk and take a sample taste of it, if you like. Right. And on the flip side, there was a, a nice, they looked really nice, those little medallions of lamb that was infused with what espresso infused and all of us were like oh it's lamb i mean lamb is usually pretty good and i'm not really a big lamb eater but i wanted to try it anyway because again like you said i'm not walking into a restaurant and getting a a 30 dollar plate of food i'm just going to take a quick taste each one of us tasted that and that was probably around the table of the look of you know this this isn't quite right not not for us yeah it was not but you can say you tried it and you understand and and it's okay to sort of it's like, all right, well, where are we going next? Right. We all sort of got up collectively and moved on somewhere else. Exactly. And that's why this is such a great benefit, because even if there are some things on the menu that aren't going to quite be for you, there's enough that will be to balance it out. Yeah, right. Again, and because you sort of invested the the one sort of cover charge for everything, as opposed to walking around World Showcase Promenade and waiting online and sort of investing the time and the 6 to $7 on an individual thing, it's okay to try it. So... The thing that intrigued me, too, were how some of the things were prepared, uh, the combinations that were prepared. So we had walked over 
to one section, and it was the uh, Conca Itoro Winery. Again, not something that's located on property, but they had a gorgonzola cheesecake with walnuts and dried cranberries on a pump on pumpernickel bread. And you look at it, you're like, well, it's not something I would even think about. But we sort of were trying it, and we're like, you're like, this is really good. You would never think about ordering it. You didn't. You wouldn't know what it is. So it was a nice sort of experiment that way. And you guys sometimes would shake your heads and be like, Mm-mm. not for me. No, I, I didn't taste, try it. But you would take a taste of it. No. And be- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You are not as adventurous. No, as I, I definitely, I definitely am not. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, but what I did like, Lou, was the we were sitting right behind the table with the lobster Florentine crepe mm-hmm. with the white bean ragu. And they also had this delicious wine. And uh, for some reason, I never tried um, Argentinian wines before. And they were just delicious. All the Argentinian wines that I've tried, that I tried last night, were absolutely delicious. And so what that does for us, who are not big wine people, but every now and then we'd like to have a glass or a we would go and order. we We wouldn't know going out what to order. We now leave here saying... We kind of like the taste of the Argentinian wines. We're starting to recognize the differences between regions and grapes and vineyards and even individual bottles of wine. Yeah. What I found very interesting is that many of the restaurants or uh, stations try to have their own identity. And one of them, they, they were, their name was the King and Queen of Pork. <laughs> and when you went up to them to get your cider, they actually gave you a tattoo that you could put on your hand. A temporary, uh, let's be clear. A temporary, a temporary tattoo. tattoo, right. There was know. not a tattoo no. artist at that part of No. <laughs> so, yeah, they would, it was a temporary tattoo, a water tattoo, but you'd, you'd stand there and hold your hand out and they'd be dabbing you with a, with a, with a, a sponge and then they peel it off and you were the king or the queen of pork, depending. So they, people were making it, uh, it was a fun experience even from that end as well. And that's what I was just going to say is that Beyond the food and beyond the, the, the time that we spend together, I, I found this to be a very fun experience. And I, and I got a lot of the value dollar-wise in that, from the learning, from the walking, from the entertainment, from the trying things and experiencing it all together like that. That was a big part of what made this, this fun for me. Right. And can we get back to what was even much more important Again, would be the pumpkin pie <laughs> ravioli that was with vanilla bean ice cream and caramel sauce. Because the, I guess the one thing, as everybody was enjoying these dishes and sharing them around the table, we did get to really have that that shared experience. But you also have the um, the looks on each other's faces and some really great memories when you tried the octopus salad and and or didn't like it or liked it. I, I really did have a, a great time sharing that with a group of people. I, I think that it's it would be a great date night mm-hmm. thing to do. However, going with a group of friends really was priceless. And that's what I was going to ask you is, who is Party for the Senses for? Is it for the wine connoisseur, the wine newbie, the food lover, the romantic couple, the group, or is it for sort of any combination of that. Yes, 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 and yes. I, I think that the, it does appeal to so many different types of people. And I, why I wouldn't want, want to go by myself. I think that would be the, the only thing as a single. It probably wouldn't be as much fun. Which you could do. You could do. You could, which you could walk around Food and Wine Festival and go to kiosk to kiosk on the promenade yourself. You wouldn't go to this by yourself. Probably not. Not me. Not me personally. Because I think this is a type of thing, especially with the entertainment and all of the other pieces that are thrown into it. And I think it's definitely meant for a shared experience. 
So, Glenn, if you've never been to Food and Wine Festival before, and I think it's now getting to a point where it is a destination for people. They sort of schedule their vacations. We're foodies. We're wine connoisseurs. You come down to Food and Wine Festival. Is this something you would recommend for somebody their first time or sort of experience Food and Wine Festival first, get a sense of what that is, and then this is the way you sort of plus that experience up for yourself? Well, ironically, I I don't – I consider this as – a, a plus to the food and wine festival, but it's not the same experience. This, I I guess there's, there's this new thing going around the country, the food truck type thing. I think the food and wine festival is becoming the, the food trucks. You're walking around and you, you share and things like that. And this is slightly different. You're going to go around and eat everything. I do recommend that. I think like Becky was saying, you you can go however you want, but I believe your best experience would be to share this with friends. You know, I don't know if, if your children are going to be able to. It's going to be a risky menu in many cases for for the for the kids because there's nobody that had macaroni and cheese or cheese pizza. No chicken nuggets were in there, so I, I think it's not something that you'd want to bring young children to. But I believe a group of friends, the larger the better, where you can share in things and. And, you know, where you already have that um, that shorthand in talking, you can talk to somebody and they know, oh, I picked, I know that you would love this, so I picked this up while I was over there. I think all that really fed into our evening. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, Food and Wine Festival, especially if you're staying at one of the boardwalk or beach club resorts, you can almost sort of sniper in. You could run in, grab some food, and come back out. This is, and I mean this in a good way, an investment. It's an investment not only dollar-wise because of the fact that you need to pay everything up front, but time-wise. And I think it's good because this is, again, how you make a full night of it. You are in that, you are in the World Showplace Pavilion from 7.30 until, uh, you know, 10 o'clock or so. You can go out if you want to watch Illuminations at that time. You can do it. Uh, again, you can go to the Eat to the Beat concert series. So you really are making a full night of it, and it's a different type of experience than just sort of wandering around the key, the the the, the uh, pavilion, and you can, and you can't say indoors loud enough, really. When you're talking about the food and wine, you're outside, and you have the weather, and you have the the crowds, and the bugs, and UFOs taking aliens, <laughs> taking you. You've had a very inside, different. Yeah. You've had a lot of either ice wine or a very different experience. <laughs> but when you're inside, you know you it's a, it's a controlled environment. You got the special Disney lighting, and that the, you're you feel like you're in an environment that is designed for this. So, Deanna, this being your first time, is this something now that you say, "I want to do this again," 2011, or I want to? This is something I want to mark on my calendar next year, or yeah, hey. This is something that I'm going to start putting a little bit of money aside every month so I make sure we can experience this again. Um, yes, we're doing it next year uh, in the Wine View Lounge because I want the uh, Grand Marnier Bubbly Delight. <laughs> you had me at Grand Marnier, so yes. And this Wine View Lounge has been sponsored by our friends over at exactly. MBI. Exactly, so, <laughs> so yes. Um, this is definitely something that I truly enjoyed, number one, because I was able to be an adult and uh, <laughs> well again that's relative I mean yeah put that all in perspective but yes um, I was able to go out with adults should I say or the ones that try to act like adults um, or should be acting like adults <laughs> yeah um, so it was an extremely enjoyable evening because of the company that I was with and the food was just it was decadent I mean there were things that I didn't like um, like the octopus salad I would have passed on and that lamb on the arugula 
but those are things that I never would have tried anyway. Right. So I had the opportunity to say, you know what, let me try it because I am a sushi eater, but you know, been there, done that, and I know not to try it again. And remember, next year, all these offerings are going to be different. Exactly. So when you go back again, it's not like necessarily food and wine where the kiosks may be the same or very similar. You're going to get a different food offering from all these locations. I so let me talk so to you about this excited. because for a lot of people, that $145 price tag is somewhat of a deterrent, especially if you have a large family or you have a large group. It is, again, an investment. What about, now, Glenn, we went to the Food and Wine Classic, uh, which was a $75 investment. A very different type of experience because it was outside, a little bit less exclusive, um, but different in sort of how it's presented. At $145 per person, what do you feel about the value of of Party for the Senses? I think the value speaks a, a lot about the entertainment you get on top of it because you you do have out, out walk outside and you can see illuminations but you also have the Cirque du Soleil the singers from Cirque du Soleil and the band up there through the entire event as well as those three sections where they actually are doing Cirque du Soleil acrobatics on there that adds a lot to the party for the senses but if you if I had to say the food value or the wine value I would think the 26 locations that are on the promenade between the the that on the causeway is probably a, a, a cheaper investment in being able to try different wines from 26 locations. I don't think anybody was able to hit all 26 uh, in, in the amount of time for even that in, in for half the money. Right. It, just like at part of the census, there's, I don't think there is, I don't think there's any way that you could try and, try every single wine there because there are dozens and dozens. So how you approach each of the events is is sort of how you get the value out of it. Right. And for the ticket for the party for the senses, not only the entertainment value, but I mean, I counted 20 different, 22 different wine vendors that were there that were offering uh, wine serving. So when you start counting up what the tastes are, walking around at what, usually $3 for a small taste in a typical food and wine festival, whether it's this one or others around the country, that starts adding up. And then being able to walk up to about 25 different food kiosks and you've got the same thing. So there's a lot of value here. And I think 145 with that plus the wonderful date night with your friends and or your loved one and the entertainment value, I I think the price is pretty, pretty good. So I will admit having never gone before, uh, it was always something that it sounded like it was a neat event, but I didn't feel as though I needed to go. I'm like, you know, I like going around food and wine and, and, but I will tell you that having attended now, my opinion has changed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect going in. I didn't know what it was going to be like. And I said, well, it's probably just like food and wine, but it's inside and there's Cirque du Soleil. But I had a blast. Like, I just had such an enjoyable evening, not only due to present company, of course, but because of the type of, like you said, Glenn, the type of experience that it offered. I've been to Cirque du Soleil once years ago, but having them there right up close, just going on the entire time, while you're able to eat and mingle, we met a lot of new friends last night. We saw a lot of old faces as well. It really was uh, an evening, not what I expected. And I mean that in the best possible sense. I think also being able to interact with the chef and ask him about the food um, and 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 all the wine, the different wines that paired with it. So I think that was an experience in itself because there's not very many places that you can go and have that opportunity so it was definitely something that uh, I'm looking forward to again doing next year. 
Yeah, and I can tell you, I enjoyed it so much that I went in with my uh, with my man purse, my Merce. It's European, <laughs> but I, I had yeah. recording equipment, I had a camera, I had a video camera, and I was enjoying the experience so much that I found myself unable to pull away from just the simple enjoyment of what I was doing. To the so now I have to go back to take some more pictures. But again, I realize it's something that now I look forward to something. This would be like a nice special thing to do every year. Yeah, and each different year seems to have different theming as well. So this one was different dishes from different locations, whereas last year they had themed nights. So I, they've got this wonderful flexibility to plus it up or change it so that uh, people will come back again and again and again. Yeah. this is Glenn, what about you? Is this something you would want to come back and do again? Uh yeah what what time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again it it's not something that takes place every night it is uh, available only certain Saturdays so again this year it's the eighth the fifteenth and twenty second of October November fifth and twelfth so if you are interested in doing it you do need to book this in advance it is not a walk up kind of ticketed event you can call four zero seven WDW Fest or visit DisneyWorld.com slash food and wine. To book your reservation for the latest information. Uh, again, I'm also going to post some videos up from the Swan and Dolphin Food Wine Classic so you get a sense of being able to compare and contrast. And you know what? If you're a food person, you're a wine person, or you're interested in learning more about each, uh, it's even something that you can do, not the same night, certainly, but two different experiences to try and see which one is best for you. So, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Van Travel, who's going to sponsor the uh, our visit, Here. our visit to the uh, to the wine lounge. Deanna Mangello from DeannaMangello.org, <laughs> and Glenn Whalen from and bookmark this kids PrettyGoodMovieRide.com. Uh, definitely go check that out as well. Uh, thank you guys for introducing me to Party for the Senses, and I think we should do this again. I'm in. I'm in. I'm there. Cinderella's Pork Sliders. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Don't forget that I want to hear from you, your thoughts about the Food and Wine Classic and Party for the Senses. Are these events you've attended in the past? Maybe something you're looking forward to trying out in the future? Share your thoughts by visiting the show notes over at www.radio.com. Click on podcast number 243. Leave your comments there. Don't forget while you're on the site to explore all that it has to offer, including our daily blog posts, contests, discussion forums, and lots more. And don't forget that I want the show to continue to be interactive. I love hearing from you, whether you want to email me directly at lou at www.radio.com or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call our voicemail line toll-free at 888-703-2171. Also be sure and come by every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the WDW Newscast. You can join in our live weekly video broadcast and interactive chat where we talk about this week's Walt Disney World news simply by going to wdwnewscast.com. If you can't make it live, that's okay. I'll post the videos at youtube.com slash wdwradio on the WW Radio blog, and you can also catch the audio only in our iTunes feed as well. Please also come by and follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangello, and join our WDW Radio Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio. Don't forget also to visit celebrationspress.com. There you can subscribe to or order back issues of Celebrations Magazine. And we're now taking pre-orders for our deluxe 
limited edition holiday book, which is 120 pages of Disney Christmas magic, hundreds of color photos, and behind-the-scenes stories of the holiday celebrations at Walt Disney World. All new content, all new photos. You can pre-order now for a discount price of $19.95. It's going to start shipping in November, so you'll have it just in time for the holidays. Again, visit celebrationspress.com. Also, big thanks to my partners and sponsors. You heard today from Becky from mousefantravel.com. They're not only my official and recommended travel provider, but they are who I use as well because I know I'll get the best possible prices, any available discounts, all with an incredible level of personal service that is the hallmark of Becky and her team of agents. Visit them over at mousefantravel.com. Big thanks again go out to All Star Vacation Homes who provided our home base during the 40-hour show last weekend. The home that we had was seven bedrooms, but they have everything from two-bedroom condos up to homes even larger than that, all including private pools and spas and kitchens and game rooms, lots more. You can visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World and have easy access to things like the Food and Wine Classic, you know I love the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin, the 17 world-class restaurants there, including Kimono's, Blue Zoo, Il Molino's, and Shula, the Mandara Spa, and of course, the Heavenly Beds. Visit them over at swananddolphin.com. Again, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, I want to give you my sincerest thanks once again for listening each and every week, for taking the time out of your busy schedule and allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you. As always, my friends, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word, let others know about it, tweet out that you're listening, share links on Facebook or Google+, and please come by and vote for the show every day starting October 12th through the 27th over at podcastawards.com. And most importantly, I hope that you become a little inspired to start pursuing your passion. Take that leap of faith, and when you do, always keep moving forward. Thank you so much once again for listening. I hope you guys have a great week this week. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Liz, this is Marissa, or uh, Mini Girl, uh, 1946-192. Or 1995, whatever it is on the forums. I just got done watching the 40-hour show. All I have to say is, number one, thank you for making so many people happy in your vision and you're truly an inspiration. And congratulations on all the money you raised. So I hope you get lots of sleep <laughs> after the 40 hours and keep moving forward. Hey, Lou, it's Jay from Jersey. Just wanted to drop you a note to say congrats for being... Um Nominated for the Best Travel Podcast again at uh, podcastawards.com. You bet, you're, you bet I will be uh, calling in on October 12th and voting for you. So good luck. Hopefully you'll take home a win again, and uh, take care. Hey, Lou, it's John from Somerville, South Carolina. John O. from the forums. John O. and SC from the live broadcast. want well, to thank you for the 40-hour show. It was great. I survived it. Only a little bit of a nap there for a few hours, but I caught most of it. It was a good time. I thought everybody did a great job. It's uh, you with uh, Scott Otis, Glenn Whalen. Tony Cat just crazy. He made everything laugh, and uh, it was a good time. Beckerman, it was great. Becky, I think you guys should do it again. Oh, my. Hey, this is Renee from Fort Collins, just giving you a call because it's Sunday and you're just less than three hours away from making it all the way through um, driving back home from my hula classes, and so I'm not able to be watching, but I'm going to tune in for the last part because I definitely want to see you guys make it all the way there. 
Um, it's been so much fun hanging out in the box. Really makes me wish I were back there in Walt Disney World, though, and hanging out with you guys, because I totally would have loved to stay up and do the whole 40-hour thing with you. And it's nice to see uh, some of my boat captains, Mike and Jeff, in the uh, screen every once in a while as I'm sitting at home on the box. But, um, yeah, just congratulations, and keep going, and I'll come and check in at the very end, and congrats on the show. It has been so much fun to sit and watch and be part of it, even though I'm here in Colorado. So thanks again. Bye. Hello, Lou, and everybody from the 40 Hours show, and everybody in the box. This is Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. I had a wonderful time listening and watching the whole entire 40 Hours show. It was a great pleasure. I did try bidding, but I got outbid, but that's okay. I wish I would have had more to continue to bid, but at this time, we don't, so... I just wanted to say that kudos to everybody that donated to Give Kids the World for a Make-A-Wish for another family. I think it's phenomenal what you guys have all done, and it brings tears to my eyes. I'm going to stop there, um, but I I really think, Lou, you did a wonderful, wonderful job with this. Um, it was phenomenal. It was a blast. Um, I hope you get a lot of rest, guys, and you really deserve it. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Good night. You've got a friend.